Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is February 8th, 2022, and our first story, Civil War may already be here. Republican rep has accused Capitol Police of illegally raiding his office, photographing protected materials, all while dressed as construction workers. Adam Kinzinger says we would be naive not to believe a civil war is possible in this country. And if feds really are raiding congressional offices, maybe it's already begun. In our next story, Donald Trump defends Joe Rogan. Neil Young doubles down, calls on Spotify employees to quit because they will never have enough. Apologies just don't work. And our last story, the truckers have won. Towing companies have outright told the city they will not move them. In fact, it may be impossible. The government knows this and they're panicking. Now, if you like this show, give us a good review. Leave us five stars. Now, let's get into that first story. Speaking to CNN, GOP rep Adam Kinzinger says that he fears a civil war is possible and that it is naive not to think it could happen. But I actually think we're in some kind of civil war, and many of you have heard me say it. It's funny, though. Back in 2018, when I started talking about the possibility of some kind of civil war, I was mocked for it. And now we have mainstream left and establishment personalities, mainstream media absolutely pushing this idea. And Republicans, mind you, Adam Kinzinger does not like Donald Trump. And that may be an understatement. And he's coming out saying there is a very real possibility of civil war. But ladies and gentlemen, this main story, I believe, suggests not only are we in a civil war, but it's substantially worse than most people realize. And this is the story about a thread from conservative Congressman Troy Nels, who said Capitol Police broke into his office, took photographs and even came back and interrogated one of his staff members. That may be this is all some big misunderstanding. But we also have a story, a statement from Louis Gohmert, who says the DOJ has been looking at letters from his constituents, perhaps all one big misunderstanding. Is this story, is the Capitol Police claim that they were simply investigating why his door was open? Or are they trying to dig up dirt and spy on political rivals who are challenging the uniparty establishment machine? Troy Nels certainly does challenge Nancy Pelosi, and he thinks this is why he's being targeted. It doesn't matter 
which version of events you think is true. The Capitol Police have come out and they've said, well, we were just investigating an open door. And maybe that's reality. Of course, left-wing activists, establishment activists are saying that must be the truth. While others are looking at what Troy Nels is saying and pointing out the DOJ and the Capitol Police have crossed the line. I don't know which, which version of events is actually the true version, but it doesn't matter. And that's the point. Both sides ha- are, are adamant in their worldview. Both sides are adamant. They are telling the truth. And you have people who will absolutely stand behind the government, no matter what they say, even when it's obvious they're lying. And you have people who will side with those who are opposing the establishment and give them the benefit of the doubt because we have seen far too many lies from the government. Right now, of course, as you know, there is a major trucker convoy in Ottawa. While not a part of the U.S. conflict necessarily, it is culturally related. We are seeing a major divide between left and right, whatever you want to call it. Left seems to be the establishment. That's what they mean when they say left wing. They mean pro-establishment. And right wing is outgroup anti-establishment. And it's not just in the U.S., it's in Canada, and it's very much related, even though I should say the political conflict is very different. Outside of what appears to be the expansion of the Capitol Police, as we have already warned about, you have efforts to disqualify Republicans from being able to hold office. It's getting that severe. Civil war is already upon us. Because if it is true what Congressman Troy Nels is saying, then law enforcement is going after politicians. And that's extreme. The way to the federal government, which is currently controlled by Democrats, going after political rivals. Or at the very least, it is the, it is the view of those on the right that it is happening. So it's, it's hard to know for sure. And I have to stress this. Maybe Congressman Troy Nels is just wrong about this. But let me actually break down for you what's going on, what Adam Kinzinger is saying, and where this is all going with the statement from the DHS on terror, and you can decide for yourself. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support all of our work here, videos like this, and our journalists reporting over at TimCast.com if you want to see more of it. Become a member, sign up, and you will also get access to exclusive members podcasts from the TimCast IRL podcast that go up around Monday, they go, they go up around 11 p.m., Monday through Thursday. Check those out and support our work. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Let's read first the Twitter thread from Congressman Troy Nels. He tweets, breaking, the Capitol Police Intelligence Division investigated my office illegally and one of my staffers caught them in the act. On November 20th, 2021, Capitol Police entered my office without my knowledge and photographed confidential legislative products protected by the speech and debate clause enshrined in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 6. Two days later, on Monday, November 22nd, 2021, Thanksgiving week, three intelligence officers attempted to enter my office while the House was in recess. Upon discovering a member of my staff, special agents dressed like construction workers began to question him as to the contents of a photograph taken illegally two days earlier. Capitol Police never informed myself or senior level staff of their investigation, and the reasons are clear. They had no authority to photograph my office, let alone investigate myself or members of my staff. So why is the Capitol Police leadership maliciously investigating me in an attempt to destroy me and my character? Maybe it's because I've been a vocal critic of, spe- critic of Speaker Pelosi, the January 6th committee, and Capitol Police leadership about the handling of January 6th, the death of Ashley Babbitt, and the subsequent sham investigation. These are very bold accusations. Dressed as construction workers? 
Now, that's the craziest thing here. Special agents dressed like construction workers began to question him. We have the story from the Daily Beast, the left's perspective on this. Interestingly, the Daily Beast, which I'm not a fan of, actually just makes the story sound more suspect. But let's slow down for a minute and I'll help you explain what's going on. The Capitol Police, they're police. They enforce law. For some reason, they have created an, an, a national intelligence division with offices being set up on the West Coast and the East Coast. Why? It's very, very strange. And many people feared that with the establishment of a federal intelligence agency, they would start going after anyone who supported Trump or opposed the establishment uniparty. And it seems here we are. But maybe, maybe Troy Niles is wrong about this. Well, hold on. There's a lot more to break down in this story. The Daily Beast reports GOP rep claims Capitol Police secretly broke into his office. Rep Troy Nels disclosed on Tuesday the Capitol Police had secretly broken into his office to investigate something. He's not saying what they were looking for, however. They say in an eyebrow-raising series of tweets that read like a paperback political thriller. Oh, is this an opinion piece? Uh, it's not an opinion piece. A reporter. Okay, this is an opinion piece, mind you. Rep Troy Nels divulged on Tuesday what we already know and I read. Nels has been aware of the incursions almost the entire time because police botched the supposedly clandestine entries. But the Texas congressman only disclosed the breaches now. The tweets came two days after Axios reported that a January 6th shadow committee featuring Nels, an election objector, was investigating Capitol Police negligence in response to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Nels, a former sheriff, claimed that on, on November 20th, Capitol Police secretly entered his office and took pictures. So this is, we, we read the thread, we know this. Nels, who characterized the entries as illegally executed and unconstitutional, said the officers had interrogated the staffer about the photos, but did not disclose details about, the, about what the police had photographed or what they asked the staffer. The police, he added, never told him nor his, uh, specified his senior level staff why they're investigating him. They say, but on January 6th, Nels had a different reaction. He took up arms alongside Capitol Police and Rep. Mark Wayne Mullen to face down rioters attempting to breach the House. The two congressmen broke off pieces of wood and stood shoulder to shoulder with officers who had their guns drawn as Trump supporters pounded on the front doors of the House chamber. Nels has since turned on the police, however, most specifically making a public show of questioning the legality of Babbitt's shooting, which an internal investigation found was justified. In July, House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy nominated Nels to the January 6th committee, along with Rep. Jim Jordan, Rodney Davis, Kelly Armstrong, and Jim Banks, after Pelosi rejected his choices, citing the fact that they were in a mix of election objectors and members who rejected the idea of a congressional panel to begin with. The crew opened their own author unauthorized shadow probe. In late October, the Daily Beast reported that Banks had sent letters out to a number of government agencies requesting information about the attack. The full list of agencies he contacted is unknown, but many were reportedly the same departments contacted by the January 6th select panel. So let's slow down for a minute. The January 6th panel has been targeting political rivals, specifically going after those who worked for Trump, going after Trump, going after members of the media, whether you like them or not. When these Republicans said, let's have balance on this committee and have people who are not all totally aligned with your worldview, they said no. This, that is to say, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are on the side of the Democrats on this one. And there is no populist opposition. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S.? 
with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S., they have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. When these individuals sought to investigate on their own, they are now having Capitol Police Intelligence screening their mail and entering their offices, as Troy says, illegally. They go to mention the same morning that Nels posted his tweet, his tweet storm, fellow Republican from Texas, Louis Gohmert, took to the House floor to announce without evidence that the Department of Justice had examined congressional mail five months ago without evidence. Does Nancy Pelosi have evidence on the things she claims? No. Is there evidence of an insurrection? No. Well, there's evidence that people fought with cops, but the FBI says there's none. And that's not my opinion. That's the FBI. So who are they to come out and claim insurrection? You see how the game is played. Quote, we have seen that our mail, we've got two, uh, we've got two, just uh, two mail just a day apart. One came in September 17th, stamped by the department, as being received and reviewed and examined, and another from a Christian missionary to me. And it was reviewed by the Department of Justice, Gomert claimed. Well, we actually have a statement from Rep. Louis Gomert from gomert.house.gov. Rep. Louis Gomert condemns and exposes the DOJ for the apparent unconstitutional tampering of private constituent mail. Writing uh, as of today, in January, my, my staff received a letter addressed to my office my official office from a Christian missionary, which was already opened and stamped DOJ mailroom with a date and x-rayed on the stamp. Last week, my office received a second piece of mail from a constituent mailed from East Texas and postmarked September 2021. Now, this is again, look at this. Last week, they got it. This is mail that was withheld. <clears throat> it took four and a half months to reach my office and was also opened and bore a stamp from the DOJ. It is deeply concerning that legislative branch mail is somehow being commingled with executive branch mail when we have completely different proprietary zip codes. We are separate, but co-equal branches of government. Even if it were a mistake to deliver Congress's mail to the DOJ, the DOJ has, no, has an obligation to immediately notify Congress and forward the mail without opening it. Let me just point out the severity of this. Mail going to a co-equal branch of government should not be intercepted by another branch of government that is overstepping their bounds. This is very, very disturbing. Very, very disturbing. This is why I say you need to understand it appears the civil war has already begun. I know. People expect to look back at history and say, that's what it will be. It will be the the, the battle at Fort Sumter. Or not. We're in a completely different era. Intelligence is the game. Character assassinations, manipulation, etc., 
We have hot conflict. We have extremists fighting in the street. Kinzinger said in his interview that you'll get militias out on the street fighting each other, and that's how a civil war starts. But you see, the problem is these people don't know how to look forward. See, I don't want to look backwards. It's important to look backwards and look at the Civil War to understand the complexities of how these things arise. But it's also important to look at the current state of affairs and to look forward as to how these things might manifest differently. When the Democrats take the weight of the executive branch and use it against their political rivals in the legislative branch, my friends, you have the weapon. This is Civil War. Now, let's, 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 let's talk about a few things. Was the American Civil War truly a civil war? Not in, in, in a global definition of the term. It was. It, you know, it, we call it the Civil War. However, civil war is typically referred to or, or seen as, in many countries, different factions fighting over control of one government. That's what we've seen in most civil wars. In the United States, it was an attempt at seceding from the Union thwarted by the Union. Still, in a sense, it was a civil war, but the North effectively invaded the South to stop them from seceding from the Union. Maybe people on the, right, on the left don't like that that's the case, but that was reality. Now, in my opinion, there was a strong moral cause. Slavery is wrong. And in my opinion, there were a lot of Southern states, namely Texas, that that's basically said they were seceding because of geography. In which case, I think for a lot of reasons, the Civil War, the, 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 the North was justified in starting engage, in engaging in this conflict with the South. I absolutely do. Let me break this down for you. Union military bases in South Carolina, Fort Sumter, for, to be specific, the South said, get your, your troops out of here. And the North was like, we pay for this. We fund this. We fund you. We're not doing it. You can't just take this from us. As Ulysses S. Grant explained, the admission of these states into the Union was paid for through blood and treasure. And their security was maintained. They had no right to just seize those assets and leave. Not only that, slavery is wrong. And so you had a strong moral cause from the North saying, if we pay for it, you can't just up and leave. You've got to negotiate these terms. And the South said no. And slavery was a major catalyst. Now, I'll, I'll admit, there is a major conflict in terms of morale, in, in the morality of how all of this was done. Abraham Lincoln was suspending people's rights. There's even uh, stories about him uh, threatening to arrest a Supreme Court justice. I'm not saying that it was easily defined. No, the whole thing was nuanced. But my friends, slavery was wrong. And there's a real argument to if a military base is paid for and supported by the North, you can't just up and leave. As, you, as Again, as Grant stated, blood and treasure paid for their admittance into the union, and now they're going to leave and effectively just take that blood and treasure along with them. That's a making for a great conflict. What we're seeing now, though, is more akin to the civil wars we've seen throughout history and very different from the American Civil War. And that is to say, factions within government are fighting other factions. It has not re yet reached a point where people are caning each other in Congress, but it has reached the point where prominent per, uh, figures on one faction are using enforcement actions against their political rivals. So we are at the point now where law enforcement is going after politicians. This is a key component in almost every civil war we have ever seen. And where does it lead to? Yo, really, really dark places, in my opinion. Right now, we have a statement from the DHS from yesterday afternoon. 
Summary of Terrorism Threat in the U.S. Homeland. The DHS put out this statement that, in my opinion, is actually rather shocking and scary. They say, the United States remains in a heightened threat environment fueled by several factors, including an online environment filled with false and misleading narratives and conspiracy theories and other forms of mis-, dis-, and malinformation introduced and or amplified by foreign and domestic threat actors. These threat actors seek to exacerbate societal friction, to sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions, and to encourage unrest, which could potentially inspire acts of violence, mass casualty attacks, and other targeted blah, 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 blah. You get the point. They go on to say, actually, I'm going to read more for you because you're going to realize how bad this gets. Could they be talking about um, Black Lives Matter? No, of course not. They're talking about those who are challenging the establishment. That is what's truly scary. They're talking about, I don't know, truckers, workers, working class people. They're talking about you and me. They go on to say, the primary terrorism related threat to the U.S. continues to stem from lone offenders or small cells of individuals who are motivated by a range of foreign or domestic grievances, often cultivated through the consumption of certain online content. The convergence of violent extremist ideologies, false or misleading narratives, and conspiracy theories have and will continue to contribute to a heightened, uh, a heightened threat of violence in the U.S. They go on to say key contributing factors. The proliferation of false and misleading narratives which sow discord. For example, there is widespread online pl- proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding unsubstantiated widespread election fraud and COVID-19. Grievances associated with these themes inspired violent extremist attack in 2021. And the false narratives around police brutality. What about that? What about that? Oh, It's not here. They don't actually call out the far left. No, the the $2 billion plus in damages from the far left, the destruction, the amplification of, of Black Lives Matter extremist ideology is not listed here. The DHS has put out a bulletin directly targeting one faction in our ongoing civil war. Now, you can say this doesn't constitute a civil war. Because we're not at the point of hot conflict. Well, it's certainly a cold civil war, but I I would go ahead and and just say, I I think you're absolutely wrong. When you have a Republican representative saying, special agents dressed like construction workers broke into my office. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. My friends, you're in civil war territory because either they did or the Republican is lying and sowing that misinformation the DHS is so scared about. And the DHS is correct. If the DHS is correct and misinformation is going to lead to violent extremism and you and you are on their side and you don't believe Troy Nels, then you can only assume he's spreading misinformation that will lead to violence or he's right. And Capitol Police are illegally breaking into the office of rival politicians. (laughs) Call it what you want, man. I don't care. Adam Kinzinger says civil war. The Daily Mail reports. Rep. Adam Kinzinger says. There is a real possibility of civil war in the U.S., and it would be naive to think it's not possible after he was censured by his own party. They go to mention he's talking with CNN, Wolf Blitzer, et cetera, et cetera. Kinzinger explained the rioters, specifically one man captured on video wishing to drag lawmakers to the streets. He says uh, they were certifying a fault because they believed it was a false election victory. Probably really believes what he's saying about election fraud. And you can multiply him by hundreds or of thousands or millions of people. If Donald Trump and his allies convince enough people 2020 was stolen from him, the Republican legislator claimed, 
It's not a far off thought that someday some militia shows up somewhere to do something. And then some counter militia shows up. And truly, at that point, that is how you end up in a civil war. I never would say that we would ever have ended up in that position. But now I believe it's a real possibility that we have to be wide eyed as we walk into so we don't have that happen again. Wolf Blitzer was like, are you are you serious? You really believe this? And he says, a year ago, I would have said, no, not a chance. But I've come to realize that when we don't see each other as fellow Americans, when we begin to separate into cultural identities, when we begin to basically give up everything that we believe so we can be part of a group, and then when you have leaders that come and abuse that faithfulness of that group to violent ends, as we saw on January 6th, we would be naive to think it's not possible. Adam Kinzinger hit the nail on the head with the hammer in that statement. Well, not so much the end part, but the beginning. We're breaking into identity tribal-based groups. Now, in my opinion, I'm all for the truth. Adam Kinzinger is not. Now, maybe he believes he is for the truth and I'm not. And therein lies the main divide. I think he is a duplicitous liar for the most part. He'd probably say the same of me. And that shows you, well, he's right. I think the media lies. I think CNN lies. I think what they're trying to poll with Madison Cawthorn is proof that we are in civil war. Take a look at this. Will Madison Cawthorn be brought down by insurrection? And the New York Times basically says, yes. They say you need to understand that the, if the voter challenge succeeds in establishing that Mr. Cawthorn engaged in insurrection, he would be ineligible to serve in Congress. The critical point to understand is that if you engage, according to the 14th Amendment, in insurrection, you can't be in office. They're not trying to win elections anymore. They are not trying to win elections anymore. Let me repeat that. They are filing a legal challenge so that the person they don't want to win literally cannot run. And if we get to the point where the right wing faction, the out group, says we want this person, but the in group says as those who hold the gavel, we won't let you run that person, then there will be no representation. And then you'll have people on the right saying Madison Cawthorn is our rep. And you'll have people on the left saying or the in group, no, he's not. We won't allow it. And then what? What will law enforcement do when Madison Cawthorn shows up to Congress? Will the Capitol Police say yes or no? I think it's fair to reason the Capitol Police will not allow a representative duly elected to come. And then what will happen? North Carolina will have their fake candidate show up and come into Congress. And then you will have civil war or whatever you want to call it. I have one idea as to what may actually lead to this, because the American Civil War had a strong moral cause. I have explained this idea before, but in this context, as I often say, it it bears repeating for those who did not hear it. I believe abortion will be, or I I should say, I believe abortion has a, a, there's a strong probability. Let me slow down. If we enter a hot conflict with states breaking apart and fighting each other, I believe a major catalyst that would contribute to that would be abortion. I don't know if the country will break apart. I don't know if we'll go from a cold civil war to a hot civil war. The Cold War with with the Soviet Union ended, and now we're just in standard international standoff. Okay. It's possible that this cold civil war we're in, ultimately, you could argue it's hot because of the street conflict, but ultimately simmers down. I don't know how far this goes. You know, Kinzinger is saying it could go to a real civil war. But here's what I think might occur. If you look back in time at the American Civil War, slavery was a strong moral issue. 
It was a strong moral issue that led many states to secede, not on, on the merits of it alone for many people. But yeah, that was basically the cause. A lot of people want to argue the nuance of states' rights, states' rights to do what? Among other things, you had seven states who seceded from the Union before there was any war conflict. It was after the battle at Fort Sumter started, many more states then started to secede because of what they viewed as tyranny from northern states. So that means many of these states were absolutely willing to abide by Congress's decrees or laws on banning slavery. But it was the conflict in South Carolina that ultimately led to many more states seceding. So it is a complicated issue. But a strong moral issue was needed to effectively make, you know, start as a catalyst for this conflict. The issue of slavery was an unanswerable question because you had two very distinct worldviews. Now, I think any sane modern person recognizes if you were to actually read the Constitution, you'd be like, yes, slavery can't happen, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And Ben Shapiro makes a point about abortion. That if the state has any job, that one job is to protect life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that means for the unborn. Which brings me to the strong moral question around our upcoming or current cold civil war. Abortion. A question that cannot cannot be answered. That the left thinks they're entitled, even though they can't answer. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll be real. For libertarian reasons, and much to the chagrin of many right-wing and pro-life individuals, I fall on the slightly pro-choice side. And that basically means I don't want the government involved. Someone goes to a doctor, talks to the doctor, they make make a decision, end of story. I do understand government is involved with medical procedures, but I'm very much on the libertarian side of things. And I don't think the government should be questioning people as to why they would have to terminate a pregnancy. Personally, I think terminating a viable, healthy baby is wrong and life begins at conception. But I'm not a fan of government. I'm not a fan of strong government, overly strong government, especially on medical issues. Take a look at what's going on with COVID. Very serious problems. My body, my choice. I say the same thing for vaccine mandates. Now, my position aside, we had recently oral arguments to the Supreme Court about a Mississippi abortion law that restricts it after I believe it's like 11 or 14 weeks. I'm not, I can't remember the exact number. It is widely believed by the mainstream press and many on the left that the Supreme Court will overturn Roe v. Wade in June or, you know, when they when they officially release their um, their, their officially put out their opinion on the matter. If they do, I believe there's a strong likelihood that. You, so first thing you're going to see is trigger laws immediately go into effect. There are many states that have already passed laws saying the moment Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion is now illegal. This is going to create major conflict because there are many red states that have banned abortion. Planned Parenthood still operates in. This means you're immediately going to have the, the more dominant red Republican or right wing faction, pro-life faction, which could be some liberals tra- going and protesting to shut down these illegal then clinics. In blue states, they'll continue to operate. We then go to the to the November midterms, which is widely believed that Republicans will win for historical reasons and for gerrymandering reasons. Although I don't know if the Republicans are aggressive enough to actually win, but let's say they do. I believe Republicans will try to pass a federal abortion ban because they now have wind at their backs. And I believe that the conversation from Republicans around it's a state's rights issue will change the moment they have the opportunity to take power because that's what people do. Many people have said, Tim, the Republicans won't do this because they believe it's a state's rights issue. Wrong, 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 wrong. I think people given the opportunity to take power will take it. And right now, the argument for the pro-life side is to say states' rights to overturn Roe v. Wade. But once they do, they'll say it's wrong outright and it's murder, therefore. Now, 
assuming the Republicans win. And then into 2023, they do pass this ban. Joe Biden will veto it. They likely will not have a majority strong enough to override a veto. But then you'll get a Donald Trump who will say, if I'm elected, the first thing I will do is I will sign that bill. 2024. We then go to the elections. For obvious reasons right now, it seems possible a Republican will win. But who knows? It's an eternity. I'm just giving you a hypothetical. A hypothetical about as to why abortion could be that moral catalyst. 2025, the president comes in day one, signs the bill, abortion is banned. Blue states revolt and say, we will not abide by this. And we are now abortion sanctuary states. Which brings me to a very dangerous precedent. Self-defense allows for the defense of others. That means if there is an abortion doctor attempting to abort a viable baby, maybe even like seven months in, and an individual tells him to stop and the doctor won't do it. There is a question. Maybe I should throw it to the legal scholars, but I believe there's a strong argument that a person could act in the defense of that baby and take f- and use force against that doctor. I don't know for sure. It's a complicated process. I mean, the doctor's got to be engaging in the process of trying to abort a baby. But think about the possibilities of this. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, then in red states, where they have trigger laws and will outright ban abortion, then you're going to have pro-life individuals showing up to these clinics saying you're done. In fact, you'll probably have the police doing the same thing. What about blue states? In blue states, the police won't come and shut it down. And I believe there is probably, even if there's only 10 people in this country willing to go to a blue state and say you're in violation of federal law and you're committing murder and we've won the argument, it's possible. Now, look, There are a lot of ifs, ands, buts, maybes in that whole assessment. So, you know, maybe it's just never going to happen that way. It's entirely possible Supreme Court just comes out and says, we are not overturning Roe v. Wade. It is settled. That seems very likely as well. It's just, you know, I say this based off of the the statement from many activists who truly believe Roe v. Wade is getting overturned. The reality is they may just be saying Roe v. Wade will be overturned to try and rally people to prevent a loss for the Democrats in the midterms. I really don't know. I do think, however, that pro-life issues are strong moral issues that could result, could be a major catalyst for a civil war. Many pro-lifers actually say that abortion is our generation's issue, uh, slavery issue, that it's a very, very, you know, strong moral issue about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I believe life begins at conception. I believe that there are reasons why uh, pregnancies need to be terminated. I believe that should be a decision between a doctor and an individual, and the government shouldn't be intervening because these can be embarrassing, intrusive, and I don't think it's the government's business. However, this also means that there are circumstances where an individual will try to lie, cheat, or steal into terminating a a perfectly healthy baby um, for, for no real reason at all other than they simply, you know, they decide to. And therein lies the big challenge. When does the government intervene and have the right to know? If you're trying to maintain a ban on abortion, except in certain circumstances, then the government has to know what, what's going on. I don't know if I have a strong enough moral position on this because I don't know if I'm smart enough or I don't, I don't know if I, I understand enough about the nature of reality to make a, 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 take a stance on this outside of how I just explained it. I'm perfectly fine admitting, I just don't know, man. I really, really don't. I have issues with government. I have issues with you know too much intervention, but I also have issues with Someone deciding to kill a perfectly healthy baby, even at you know late term, like seven, eight months, when the baby is completely capable of living on its own. 
These are tough questions. On the left, they think they have a right to terminate a baby at any point. But that to me is nuts. It's just, I just, I think it's insane. But where does that leave us? A civil war is possible in my opinion. It absolutely is. The scenario I laid out is just that. I think it's, it, there's a strong probability none of that ever comes to pass because it is a lot that would have to happen for it. But I do think everything I've pointed out in that scenario is entirely plausible. And I think if you believe those things are plausible, then it's entirely possible civil war does happen. But you don't even need, we don't even need to go to that point. That's just a hypothetical on how abortion could play a role. I genuinely believe when you have people like Ron Perlman, a celebrity, coming out and calling for national divorce, when you have people like Michael Malice or Luke Rudkowski saying, maybe it's the best option, we might not get a civil war. We might just get the U.S. breaking apart. The problem then, resources, oil, nuclear weapons, who gets what? Ah, okay, civil war it is. If a national divorce were to occur and red states and blue states says, go on your merry way. And many red, many red states that are northern are sucked into the blue state group. And many blue states that are more southern are sucked into the red state group. All of a sudden, you then have someone saying, we want water, we want oil, and we want guns. Fort Sumter. The federal government said the fort is ours and you can't have it. So when federal authorities for the blue side are controlling a nuclear missile uh, silo or something, and the South said, the, 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 the Republican side or the, the anti-establishment side, I shouldn't say North or South because it's not going to be North or South, to be completely honest. But when, when faction A says that nuke is ours, but faction B says, well, it's in our territory, that's how you got the civil war. Because as I mentioned, I believe it was seven states already seceded from the union before any fighting began. It was only when the North said this military resource is ours, fighting broke out. So call for your national divorce. There is, there is no peaceful divorce because someone will say, we need guns, we need land, we need food, we need water. And when the other side says, no, this one's ours now, I'll put it this way, California and Colorado, where would they go? If Colorado is mostly red, but there's big blue cities, what happens when the cities start defecting and breaking apart? What happens when the red the faction takes control and then says, we will no longer allow Colorado River water to go to California. And it gets interesting. Or Arizona, because, you know, the water's got to flow through, you know, a couple different states. What happens when they say no water? Southern California is going to revolt. Their water comes mostly from the Colorado River. And they'll invade. I don't know what's going to happen, man. I really, really don't. But I can tell you, this stuff's scary stuff, and it's been getting worse, and it will get worse, and I hope you recognize that. We went from, in only a few years, people fighting in the streets, to now, Capitol Intelligence officers being accused of storming a Republican congressman's office illegally, dressed as construction workers. Don't be the frog in the pot boiling. Go find a friend. I'll tell you this. Go talk to someone in jail. No, no, I mean it. Find someone who's been in jail for the past four years. Ask them. Tell them these things. Say, this happened, this happened, and this happened. What do you think? They're going to be like, what? That's crazy. Because it's been so rapid and so insane. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Donald Trump is now weighing in on the Joe Rogan controversy offering advice, saying stop apologizing to the fake news and radical left maniacs and lunatics. 
Now, of course, many left wing and establishment publications are saying that Donald Trump called Joe Rogan weak. Well, he said, don't be weak or something to that effect. But that's 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 about it. That's Donald Trump weighing in on a controversy. And his weighing in shows, man, this really has grown massively in the past month. The Joe Rogan saga is only going to escalate. Part of this is uh, Joe Rogan's own fault. And I say it with every uh, uh, every video I do. I've got tremendous respect for the man. Joe Rogan's one of the nicest and most generous uh, people that I've ever met. He's helped me out tremendously. But I think it's important to just be honest and say, I think a lot of this is Joe's fault. I mean, first and foremost, you can say that the targeting of him, the things he said, the people he's hosted is his actions. But that's not fair. I, I think, you know, Joe's hosted a good show and done a good job. But the reason why I say it's his fault is that he keeps apologizing. And that's why Trump is chiming in. Let me show you more evidence that apologizing to a group of people who hate you will not help you. We have this story from The Hill. Neil Young urges Spotify employees to quit over Joe Rogan fallout. It's from yesterday evening. Why is he urging their employees to quit? Joe apologized. Joe said, I'll do better. Joe said, I'll have on establishment experts after controversial guests. Joe said, I am sorry for the things I've said in these past episodes. I won't do it again, but it will never be enough. They're not going to stop until Joe does. And that can be, you know, one of two ways. He stops doing his show, which I just don't see as being likely, or they get him canceled. You know, I guess they just the goal is to shut down a show that can challenge the establishment. And man, I, I really do think, though, a lot of what's happening shows victory on our side. And our side is anti-establishment, outgroup, freedom. It's an eclectic bunch of post-liberals, libertarians, conservatives, and uh, even many hippie lefty types who are still more libertarian. It's like the establishment is just authoritarian left-leaning, and they're, they're, they're basically losing over this. If Spotify's employees quit, I do think there is a chance Joe could be canceled. I think it's fair to say he's already been canceled because cancel doesn't mean like your show is gone or your life is over. I think it's fair to say that after, I don't know, a month and a half or a month of controversy and endless news cycles and multiple apologies, you've been canceled, right? But uh, uh, many, many people have been canceled. There's varying degrees, I guess, is, is, is the fair thing to say. And the reason why I say I think the Joe Rogan controversy reaches the threshold of cancellation is that Joe has already announced he's changed his opinion on many things to, to uh, in support of left-wing perspectives and that he is uh, going to be changing how he does his booking on his show because of the establishment outrage. When Joe came out and said, you know, if he has someone controversial on, he'll try to have someone the next day that challenges that narrative. What's basically being said is the establishment narrative, which dominates all of the mainstream press, wants a seat at Joe Rogan's table that he's already granted them with numerous interviews, Sanjay Gupta, Michael Osterholm, for example. And so what they're really saying is we will take from you and diminish anything you could offer the anti-establishment or the outgroup. Joe has agreed. But I got to tell you, my friends, I do think we're winning because here's the big story. Rumble SPAC surges on report of potential $100 million offer for Joe Rogan. I don't think Joe Rogan will take the offer. Check this out. 
Rumble, which is, you know, they're basically a YouTube competitor. CF Acquisition VI, which agreed in December to take YouTube competitor Rumble public, jumped 34% after the Rumble CEO offered controversially podcast host Joe Rogan a $100 million contract over four years. Now, as I stated last night on Timcast IRL, I do not believe Joe Rogan will take this because like right now, the controversy is that Joe Rogan said the N-word over and over again and uh, a Planet of the Apes story. And they're, it, it's, it's kind of bad. The media is claiming he used the slur. Joe Rogan never did. But um, if Joe were to come out now and be like, Rumble, I will take that $100 million. It would effectively be him saying, because I want to say the N-word. That's, that's what the story would be. So I, I, don't, I don't think Joe's going to take up that offer. But therein lies the big problem. This offer probably would be enticing to Joe pre-Spotify for sure. You know, he's already got a deal with a major platform, Spotify. The issue is that they're not going to stop with racism. It's, it, at first, it was misinformation. Because they're going after the, uh, uh, the, the people that Joe Rogan hosts, like Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone. When that didn't work and Joe defended it, racism. And it turns out many of the people who are criticizing Joe did literally the exact same thing, saying the N-word in, de- in descriptive context. Some actually, uh, according to that. So there's this um, this debate between this, these, these Democrat uh, political action guys and Dave Portnoy. And Portnoy says he has evidence that these guys criticizing Joe, one of them has casually thrown around the N-word as well. So these people are not good people. Let, 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 me, let me say this before I uh, continue. Apologizing to people who hate you is pointless. That's it. It's pointless. If someone doesn't watch your show, uh, I'll put it this way. You're walking down the street and there's some guy you've never seen before. And he starts screaming at you to apologize. Okay, I suppose you can say, if I apologize to this random stranger, I could de-escalate things, right? But what if it's a guy who knows you? What if it's someone you don't know but knows you and they hate you and they're screaming at you? Is apologizing going to de-escalate anything? Unfortunately, it's not. The person still hates you. They're bullying you. Apologizing to bullies is not going to save you. Unfortunately, that's just the reality. These people want Joe Rogan banned. Apologizing to them has only resulted in them tripling down to the point where Neil Young is now saying, I took my music off Spotify because think about what he said. Think about what Neil Young said. I'm not about censorship. I believe in free speech. I have a right to leave the platform if I don't agree. And we're all like, well, you know, he's got a point, right? Then when Spotify doesn't take action against Joe, Neil Young says, quit your jobs. Everybody quit your jobs because he does want censorship. There is no mask anymore. They say the mask has slipped. No, they're authoritarian. They're despotic and they want control and power. But I do think they're still losing. Well, it is unfortunate, in my opinion, to see Joe keep apologizing because it's only made things worse because now like he's admitted it. Look at this. Rumble offering up $100 million to Joe and a deal I, I don't think he would take still causes Rumble to jump 34%. Take a look at this. CFVI, Acquisition Corp. Over the past month, we can see February 3rd, $12. February 4th, $12.77. And then we get to February 7th and it's $15. So in the past month, it's up 24.81%. It was higher. It went down. If we look at the five day, you can see there was a major surge 
up to $17, and it's dropped back down a little bit. But it's not just Rumble. With people seeing the censorship, they're also starting to realize it's not about Rumble offering anything. It's about finding a safe haven. It's about being able to run your business. And that means Donald Trump's dwack is also doing really, really well. We can see in the past month, Dwack is up 50%, 50%. That's insane. In the past five days, Dwack saw a major surge before dropping back off on February 7th to 83, but it spiked at 96. Now, why the spike? In my opinion, I think the spike was caused by the Joe Rogan controversy. There are people I know, and I'm sure there are people you know. In fact, I think it's fair to say most people or many make their money on the internet. The internet is the base infrastructure for which we do so much of our commerce. I knew a guy and he sold stuff on a website. In order to sell stuff, he needed proper positioning on Google so that when people Google searched for something, his website would appear. Well, one day Google changed the algorithm and all of a sudden his company dropped down several positions and he wasn't making money anymore. That's the reality of running an internet business. But that is unfortunate. I mean, look, they say location, location, location for running your business, right? You got to know, you got to be in a good place with good foot traffic. You want to run a restaurant. Well, if you're in the middle of a desert, ain't nobody going to find your restaurant, are they? If you're in the middle of a downtown area, you're going to get booming traffic and you're going to have to pay that cost for that, you know, high cost of living and premium real estate. On the internet, the problem is you can get excellent uh, real estate, but it can be changed on you, can be taken away from you. And let's talk about how it gets really bad. It's one thing if Google changes their algorithm and it deranks you and all of a sudden you're not making money. That sucks. And that's a problem of the system as it affects regular people. But let's talk about building your business on Facebook, YouTube, or whatever. For a while, for probably about 10 years, people were, were, were thinking that Facebook and, and Google were excellent places to build up their business. And they did. And boy, did that backfire, especially for those with Facebook. But for many people, they thought, I'll build up a business on Facebook's infrastructure, and I'll follow the rules and everything will be okay. But then the rules changed. For some people, Google and Facebook just said, you didn't break the rules, but you're gone anyway. We will make up a reason to remove you. And then all of a sudden, your access to the economy, your access to resources in this economy, gone. I mean, that destroys lives. And that's the real problem we're dealing with. Now, Joe Rogan has a contract with Spotify, so, you know, he'll probably be fine. And he's ridiculously famous. And that fame brings natural pull wherever he might go, which is why Rumble basically offers him this money. But what about a regular person? A lot of people don't seem to understand this. They say, you know, I, I was trending the other day on, on Twitter because I trend like every day, basically, for whatever reason. I don't know. And I said, LOL, I'm trending again, WTF and honk. And uh, uh, the redheaded libertarian responded, Said something like, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're kind of a big deal. And for me, I'm like, you know, I guess, right? Obviously, I have several YouTube channels over a million views. We get millions of views per day across the board. And the website gets millions of views and all that stuff. And we're doing really, really well. We're growing rapidly. So I think, okay, all right, you know, absolutely. It's kind of weird. I never intended to get to this point. But the issue people need to understand is they say, Tim, why don't you just leave YouTube and go somewhere else? Let me uh, simplify it for you. On Rumble, on BitChute, on Odyssey, and these other platforms, my videos get thousands of views. On YouTube, my videos get hundreds of thousands of views. 
Joe leaving YouTube and Apple probably knocked him down in terms of how much viewership he was getting, but he is the most famous guy with the most popular show. He can retain the great majority of, of that audience. What these people need to understand, what, what many people need to understand, is what the left understands, is that much of what we consume in terms of media is algorithmically placed before us. There are days, there have been days, where videos I've produced, for some reason, didn't appear on YouTube. Like, I would, I would record, upload, publish, I could see the video, some people could see the video, 99% couldn't even see the video on my page. Didn't get any notifications, and guess what? This means that viewership was at like 10%. It was crazy bad in 2019. And then into 2020, it started to get a little better, but it was still crazy bad. It was a shadow ban or who knows? Oh, it was an error. It was a big mistake. If you, so when, when I would produce a video that wasn't prominently displayed on my channel with notifications not going out, people did not watch it. Now, of course, you can say that, you know, there are people who think I make good points or that I'm talented or I work hard or whatever. But, yo, I am telling you, I am nowhere near the level of Joe Rogan. Joe can leave Spotify and take a hundred million dollar deal. We don't we don't have that privilege. We really, really don't. People say, Tim, go stream somewhere else and don't support YouTube. And I'm like, two things. One, well, actually, a couple of things I want to say first, like I get it and I agree it's a problem. We don't want to be supporting YouTube, which is why. I've been building up TimCast.com, why I'm I tell everybody, become a member there. We use Rumble infrastructure because we're trying to, to diversify and make sure we're not carrying all of our eggs in one basket. There's also the maintaining a presence on the, on the main battlefield that is YouTube, but there's also the reality, everybody, that getting banned from YouTube dramatically reduces your access to, to people. It dramatically reduces you know, your audience size. It's not about making money for me. It's, it's, it's not, it, that's not the issue. Timcast.com is a sustainable, it is the, it, look, YouTube as a platform is not the principal source of revenue for this company. Timcast.com is. And it's memberships. That's why I'm very much always like, hey, go to Timcast.com, become a member, because we are not beholden to YouTube. That was the point of setting up the site so that if we get banned from YouTube, we still exist. However, my goal in all of this is not to secure a $100 million contract. I don't care about going exclusive and then getting a big fat payout and being able to just, you know, have a few money. I care about talking to people where the people are. And that means 95% of people, the majority of people who are on YouTube, who are going to end up watching this because it's on YouTube, because YouTube is what they use, will be able to hear what I have to say when it comes to respecting freedom, accepting personal responsibility, standing up against tyranny, all of that stuff. I could take my whole show to Rumble. I could, I could go to them and say, let's do an exclusivity deal, pay me millions of dollars. They're certainly looking for talent. But then I'd be preaching to the choir. I want to be speaking to regular people. And what I often hear about Tim Cast IRL specifically and that's, if you've not watched Timcast IRL, go to youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. It's our conversational podcast show. People tell me they turn on the TV at 8 p.m., turn on YouTube and watch the show while they, you know, eat or hang out, put their feet up, hang out with their friends. They're not browsing the internet. They're watching their TVs. And I gotta admit, that's really remarkable to me because I used to, I, I, I long believed 
that it was going to switch to computers, right? It was going to, people are going to be connecting their computers to things. But now it's like people still use their TV. They just use apps. And I got to admit, me too. I was like, it's going to be going digital streaming and web browsing, but we just put that stuff on TVs and people just use their TVs in different ways. So, you know, basically my point is not everybody is a big deal because they're internationally famous or anything like that. Joe Rogan is. And that means Joe Rogan has a lot of power to stand up against the mob and do whatever he wants. But anyway, back to the main point I'm trying to get to here. The issue we're seeing now, following Joe Rogan's apology, they're still coming after him. His apology has done nothing. Neil Young wants people. Here's what he said. To the workers at Spotify, I say Daniel Eck is your big problem, not Joe Rogan. Eck pulls the strings. Get out of that place before it eats up your soul. The only goals stated by Eck are about numbers, not art, not creativity. You must be able to find a better place than Spotify to be the home of your art, he added. Joe, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't move the needle. It, it didn't. But I will say I'm optimistic, and I think this shows we're winning. And I really do mean it. You know, I, had that, I mentioned that one comment. Someone said, Tim thinks lose, being censored and losing more ground means we're winning. And I'm like, I think setting up TimCast.com is victory for us. I think the fact that over the past year, TimCast.com has successfully migrated away from YouTube as principal funding. When we were doing the show in 2020, YouTube was, was principal funding, and it was a big mistake. And I didn't, I didn't, uh, uh, I mean, I guess I probably should know, know what to do and didn't understand. But I knew there was a threat of being banned. I mean, we had had, we, we've had episodes pulled. And we were using YouTube as our prime engine for revenue. Not anymore. We started TimCast.com. And within, it was only a few months last year, we successfully shifted principal funding to TimCast.com. Meaning we're more resilient and less susceptible to getting banned. We still do generate revenue from YouTube, from these videos. But uh, y'all who signed up for TimCast.com have basically built a shield. But, but let's, let's be real. It's just a, a new business model. I'm very much inspired by what the Daily Wire guys have done, how they're, they're operating their business. And I would love to emulate but a fraction of their success. I hold a different worldview than many of them, but very similar. We're very, you know, Daily Wire believes in honesty, but they have a more conservative perspective. TimCast.com is a more moderate centrist perspective, but still very anti-establishment. So I'd hope to have, you know, our worldview slightly different from the Daily Wire, a little bit more left on a lot of issues, more centrist, but to grow and, 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 to, and to be that cultural influence. I, I genuinely believe if we had good leftists, centrists, and conservatives who all agreed on telling the truth, we'd be much, much better off. I look at what's happening with Rumble, their stock surging, or CFVI. Uh, I look at DWAC, Donald Trump's platform, and that's surging because regular people are saying, yo, I'm not falling for the lies anymore. And I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to hear it. I think the, the, the constant screaming and bickering and yelling at, at Joe Rogan is not going to, uh, is, is only going to, to make things worse for everybody. Um, uh, make things worse for the establishment, I mean. Not for us. For us, there's the, there, there is some negative in that, you know, there's concern. The quality of the Joe Rogan experience would go down. Perhaps, perhaps he's going to focus less on political individuals and focus more on UFOs and cultural stuff and UFC fight companion, things like that, MMA, perhaps. Or perhaps regular people just say, I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore, and I want to be entertained. TJ Kirk had a great take on this. He's the amazing atheist. He tweeted, 
something to the effect of, you know, uh, we want to convince people we're right. I know. Let's ban their favorite podcast. It's made, made a good point. And then someone responded with, with like something like, yes, this will convince the unvaccinated to get vaccinated. And that's what I've been saying. You know, these despots don't know how to actually persuade people. It's fascinating. They don't know how to persuade people. And I'm not going to pretend to be some master of persuasion or anything like that. I can say that I used to do nonprofit fundraising. And, I, I you know, within the hacker community, I was uh, focused a lot on the, the social engineering aspect of things, probably because I worked in fundraising and they probably complemented each other. This is basically persuasion. It's, it's how people think. How can, you, how can you convince them of things? And I'll just tell you this. It's really, really easy these days. It's really, really easy and principled, mind you. It used to be that if you were running for office, you could be like Hillary Clinton and you could go down to uh, Alabama and then put on a Southern drawl and make it seem like you talk like them because no one's going to hear your voice. So you get these politicians and they'll be like, so where are we campaigning today? And they'll be like, it's Chicago, sir. Chicago. Okay, guys, uh, let's go campaign in Chicago. And then they go up on the stage and they're like, I'm a guy just like all of you guys in Chicago. I know you believe in what is right. And you're going to vote for the right thing. Obviously, the politician doesn't talk like that. But they do it because no one's going to know. People in Chicago aren't watching media outside of Chicago. They're, wa they're watching Chicago local news. But that all changes with the internet. So then, fortunately, it becomes very easy to persuade people. Simple. It's called being honest. Respecting the intelligence of your audience, of the individual, and knowing they have Google. So when CNN decides to play the old game of I can say whatever I want and lie to you, it doesn't work. And that's why I, I, I really, uh, uh, I think what benefits me is, you know, my story is basically, it's like 10 years ago, I was doing nonprofit fundraising, well, almost 11. And they wanted me to lie to people to get them to give me money. And at first I thought I was being honest with, you know, they gave me information, factoids and all that stuff. And then I started researching it when, what, what happened was, I was pitching a story on Deepwater Horizon to a guy in the street. I was like, look, this is really, really bad. This oil is spilling. We, we want to raise awareness about these environmental disasters. And the guy said, you're lying. And I was like, what? And he goes, that's not how much oil is spilling. No, X amount of oil is spilling. Your numbers are way off. It's not, even, it's not that bad. You're crazy. And then I was like, uh, no, this fact sheet they gave us says this number. And he's like, it's just absolutely not true. And you're out here lying to people for money. And then I was like, dude, I'm not lying to anybody. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's not my intent. So I called the office. I asked them. Turns out, well, you know, maybe the numbers are a little high. And I was like, dude, are you kidding me? You gave me bunk information to convince. Now nah, I'm done with this. And I was like, I don't want to work for these, these nonprofits anymore. I want to be involved in this. They're lying to people. You know, I thought we were doing something good, telling people the truth to, to get them to be active. And then I realized a lot of these companies just want to make money. That's all it is. So when it came to, you know, this job and talking to cam the camera, I think what ends up working out is I don't think I'm the smartest person in the world. I don't want to lie or mislead people. I want to just say what is, you know, most likely true and correct and give my thoughts and feelings on it. But that's what works these days. Authenticity. It's why Joe's show works. The mainstream press, the corporate press, insults your intelligence and thinks they can get away with manipulating you. But I'll tell you what, it works on the low IQ, the low intelligence, the stupid people. But there are a lot of people who are less trusting and more discerning. It doesn't mean they're the smartest people. But I would say that I would say it works on the gullible people. That's probably a better way to put it. There's a lot of smart people who are just gullible. 
They can maybe do great calculations. They can solve a lot of problems. And they're just trusting. So the media manipulation and lies works on them because they trust the, the established order. For everybody else, they're questioning this. It doesn't work. And that's why Joe Rogan's show is popular. And that's why, you know, I think my show is popular. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. And when I say something, look at this, like, I'll show the sources and you can just look it up and you can verify for yourself. And if I get it wrong, people comment. I'll be like, oh, hey, I got that wrong. Authenticity is key. If you want to succeed in this landscape, that's how you do it. So that's what's fascinating about all of this is that the attempts to smear Joe Rogan, their lies and manipulations. That's why I say don't apologize to them. They're lying. We know they're lying. Joe knows they're lying. So what's the point of apologizing? To try and win over these people? What's the point? They hate you already. I suppose the idea is that many of the people who believe, who believe it are gullible. The people who believe the mainstream press are just gullible people who fall for this stuff. Well, then I would just say, Joe, even if you apologize, they're not listening to your show, these regular people. And I can understand wanting to apologize because you feel bad about, you know, saying offensive things like the Planet of the Apes story. Genuinely bad story. I get it. And uh, I think a real apology is appreciated for sure. But the gullible people who watch the mainstream press aren't watching your show. Otherwise, they'd be less gullible. And therein lies the big challenge. Well, I think we're winning. I think we can see it in what people are investing in. And I think we're going to see uh, tremendous growth. So I don't I, I, I think there's I think it'll get worse. I think censorship is going to be really, really bad this year. And that's why we're setting up Timcast.com and expanding our infrastructure. So support our work at Timcast.com. But, you know. I think uh, I think we're going to win this one. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. Trudeau is outraged. He's smearing the truckers. The media is losing their collective minds. Activists in the U.S. aligned with the Democratic Uniparty establishment are freaking out, saying the truckers are, are, are engaging in acts of violence by toot tooting, honk honking their horns. A judge issued an injunction saying tooting is not a form of expression. You hereby are banned from honking your horns. And none of it matters. The truckers won. That's it. From this point forward, the government is crippled. The city is crippled. The truckers have won. Now, what they'll end up getting is an entirely different subject matter. But there's a rumor circulating several days ago that towing companies would not move any of these trucks. We had some reporting from local outlets saying they called local towing companies said, look, I don't want to get in the middle of this. I don't want to be involved. Well, now we have this from the CBC. Towing companies on city contracts refuse to move convoy vehicles. City police say finding willing tow truck operators is a Canada-wide challenge. There it is. They won't do it. They won't do it. They're on city contracts and they are refusing. Not only are these city contractors refusing to do it, many others are outright saying it's impossible. I'm, I'm... <laughs> flabbergasted. I mean, there it is. And it is impossible. Take a look at this photograph. You can see that there is some kind of barrier structure. There's a police vehicle and all of these trucks lining the street in Ottawa. How do you tow them? How do you tow these vehicles? You can't do it. It's gridlock. In this story from the CBC, removing trucks could be almost impossible say heavy towing experts. Incredibly difficult without cooperation from drivers, say those in the field. There's a really fun puzzle game. You ever play? It's called Gridlock. 
And you get a you get a, a map of like a city street, and all the cars are interlocked in such a way, and you got to move one car at a time to figure out how to get all the cars out. Or there'll be like one car trapped, and you've got to clear the gridlock to pull your car out. It's a fun game. But gridlock is a real thing. When every vehicle enters the intersection at the same time, and they're all pointing at each other, the intersection locks. Then how do you get the cars out? That's hard enough. Well, now, what we're seeing are big rigs. You need heavy-duty towing capability to deal with these trucks, but they're all interlocked in one big group. So how do you deal with that? It looks like the government won't be able to at all. CBC reports, the tow truck operators on contract to the city of Ottawa are taking a hard pass on request to haul vehicles out of the protest areas, according to the city's top public servant. Quote, I've contacted them all, and they're all refusing, as of today, to provide heavy tow truck work. City manager Steve Kanalakos told reporters Monday evening after a six-hour special council meeting. Right now, we're reviewing their contracts or standing offer and reviewing what actions we can take to deal with this unprecedented situation. It's kind of fascinating, right? City contract towing companies are saying no. But all of these jackboot cops are going around, taking people's gas, arresting people. Now, there have been reports that a court has ruled the gas be returned to the truckers. There's also a bunch of videos of people trolling the cops. One thing that was, was put out there was, if they're going to take gas cans, fill your gas cans, uh, keep, walk around with empty gas cans, fill them up with water or something to that effect. People started doing it. And now there are videos of people carrying around gas cans full of water. The police have to stop them and search it and say, it's just water. Okay, fine. You can carry it. One guy had windshield wiper fluid and the cops were like, we're taking that. Now here's what's crazy. What if the gas is for you? This is, this is, it's, it's victory across the board. The government is going to have no choice but to say to the truckers, anything you want. Imagine you're a regular person and your car broke down. And uh, you want to you wanna go, uh, go to the diner and get some pancakes. Well, uh, you go to the gas station to get some gas, and you're walking home. Doot, 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 doot. And the cop says, is that a gas can? And you're like, sure is, boss. It's for my car. Don't think so. And they take it. The police now are assisting. You see, this is why I, I haven't seen the story, but everyone's saying a court has ruled, give them back their gas. If the trucks don't have gas, the trucks ain't going to be moving. It's the stupidest thing in the world to be like, don't give them gas. Okay. Then when they all break down and all of the trucks are empty, they'll be sure to stay there. You morons. You know, this is the problem with government. They are dumb as, you know what? No, I was going to say they're dumb as a box of rocks, but that's insulting to rocks. At the very least, rocks provide a function of paperweight, I suppose, contain valuable minerals. These people are all net negatives on their own community. The cops are morons who enforce this, making the problem worse. Lefties are cheering for taking their gas. They're like, yeah, you show them. It's like, dude, the trucks need gas to move. They can't move if you take their gas. It's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible how insanely stupid these people are. That's why I'm saying the truckers won. The only solution they could muster up to make it so the trucks can't move, lock down the entire city, brilliant. It's not clear how many towing companies have standing offers with the city or the terms of their contracts. And it doesn't seem like Ottawa is having much luck outside city limits. According to Kenilakos, Mayor Jim Watson has reached out to his counterparts in other Ontario municipalities, but no dice. 
Right now, the consensus seems to be that many of them or most of them don't want to do the work because they rely on the heavy truck industry for their livelihood and they don't want to damage that part of their business. That's the position they're taking, at least. Bravo, good sirs, man. So a lot to say, you know, for the police, right? The scumbag garbage cops who are arresting people, fining people. Let me clarify something. I believe if you're engaged in nonviolent civil disobedience, you get arrested. You get a fine. I'm talking about the cops who are taking people's gasoline. I'm talking about the cops who arrested a guy for honking his horn. Yo, there's a line. When you're honking your horn, I don't care what a judge says. Shut up. Okay. You know, it's interesting how people like to say, is it legal? Is it legal? Is it legal? I don't care what's legal necessarily. Obviously, you want to follow the law to the best of your abilities. But yo, what they were doing in Nazi Germany was legal. Legal is not moral. So when a judge says, no more honking your horns, I say, yo, within reason, I can understand why you don't want to cause problems honking your horns. But we have a legitimate right. It's Canada, by the way. But here in the U.S., I'll say this. Honking your horn is a function you should be allowed to perform. They, they say, you know, I, I guess there's interesting arguments about the use of PA systems and things like that. But as AOC says, protests are supposed to make you uncomfortable. That's just, well, what are you going to do? Deputy Police Chief Steve Bell agreed that finding companies that will agree to tow protesters has been a challenge in every jurisdiction that's faced this, and it's forcing us to come up with some creative solutions. He wouldn't elaborate on what those creative solutions might be, but said police are coming toward a position where we're not going to let the tow truck operators be an obstacle to ending what's occurring. What are you going to do, you pieces of trash? You're going to confiscate tow trucks from towing companies because they're not bending the knee to your whims? What are you going to do, you jackboot piece of human garbage? They're not going to stand in our way. Stand in your way how? By not servicing you? The truckers have won. It's plain to see. We're all watching. The emperor has no clothes. The police are pieces of trash. Every single one of these cops. Here we go. It's going to be impossible to move them even if they wanted to. CBC counted 40 trucks on Kent Street and 109 on Wellington Street Friday, with dozens more on other streets spread around the downtown core. On Saturday, Ottawa police said 500 heavy trucks were in the so-called red zone. Trucker Lloyd Crow from Picton, Ontario, had been parked just a couple blocks away from Parliament Hill since last weekend, but he's not worried about being towed. If you know anything about truck air brakes, once you pull that button, all 18 wheels are locked. <laughs> Nothing can move it except maybe a big wrecker. And no wrecker worth his salt is going to come anywhere near this because they're on our side. Bravo. Let me just add, you know, I'll tell you guys, when Black Lives Matter goes out in the street and they're like, hey, hey, ho, ho, police brutality has got to go. I'm like, you are correct. Police brutality has got to go. It's a very bad thing. Thank you very much for your service. Protest is a good thing. Protest against government corruption. Good thing. Throwing bricks through windows and starting fires and killing people. Hey, that's all really bad things. Then coming out and saying abolish the police while you're doing it. Yeah, I'm not going to agree with you on that one. You crackpots. But then the police want to come out in the U.S. at least, and they want to then lock down small businesses and destroy people's lives. And I'm like, you're not going to get any support from me. You know what? Abolish the police. Fine. I'm done defending these people. We Look, I'll, t I'll put it this way. I come out and I say, we got problems with police. 
We got problems with police brutality. They exist. Let's make sure we call it out when we see it because we don't want to tolerate that stuff. Officers, I don't think, however, your job should be abolished. I don't think those officers should be going to prison for that. I want to make sure we're being reasonable. And the cop says, thank you very much, sir. Then goes to a gym and arrests a guy, seizes money from his bank accounts with a smile on his face. And I say to those cops who are unwilling to defend those who defended you, you have lost my support and my defense, and I will no longer give you the benefit of the doubt. Now, there's still a lot of good cops out there. I still think policing is an excellent institution. I do. But you know what? These cops, it's like incumbents. You know what? Any cop, we really got to have this system in place. Any cop that violates constitutional rights should have their badge removed immediately. Here's what we do. We create constitutional community officers, and they work in a different department, and they're police officers who go out to the scene. You send out one with every group of cops. And if the cops are violating someone's rights, rights, that constitutional officer can walk up and take their badge and say, you've lost your badge. Because here's, here, you know what? Maybe, maybe this will be a good idea. Why? Well, let's say you got two cops and they're responding to a domestic and they're worried about a gun or something. And that constitutional officer shows up and he's watching. And then these, these, these cops see the domestic abuser draw a weapon. There's yelling and fighting. And then the guy gets shot. The constitutional officer's job, job at that point is to be like, no, nah, this was this was a clean, sad, unfortunate. We wish, it, we wish it didn't happen. But, yo, that abuser did have a gun and the cops did feel threatened. OK, but then what happens when you get like a cop in New York who shoves them into the ground and she hits her head on the ground? That cop's being criminally charged. The constitutional officer walks up and just takes their badge from them. How about when a cop walks up to a guy and says, with no justification, I'm going to be searching you. He can be like, you better not. I'll take your badge on the spot. Now, look, there's no perfect answer. And maybe this idea of a constitutional officer is not really going to solve any problems. Canada has their constitution or their rights or whatever. Different from the U.S. in a lot of ways, but very similar. But ultimately, I don't know if there, there is a great solution other than someone needs to hold these people accountable. These cops who think they can get away with doing these things, they should not be allowed to, period. Check this out. CBC spoke to multiple towing companies across Ontario and while many weren't willing to be interviewed, several sources told CBC that the companies contracted by the city of Ottawa were refusing to tow trucks involved in the demonstration. The city would not confirm or deny this, saying only that its bylaw department uses several contracted services to assist with towing vehicles throughout the city. As Trucker said, when you have those air brakes on, that truck ain't going anywhere. And I think a lot of these tow truck companies probably know they're like, dude, we couldn't move this if we wanted to. Not only that. It is a ton of work to get the heavy-duty rigs out there to do it in the first place. You need to be able to move, you know, big rigs, that's for sure. On Sunday, the city declared a state of emergency, blah, blah, blah. We get it. Look at this photo. Trucks are seen parked in downtown Ottawa on February 3rd. It's incredible. Just absolutely gridlocking everything. Well, maybe don't go there. It reminds me of the battle for Seattle. Remember that? Or is it the battle in Seattle? I don't know. Battle for Seattle. It was like 1999, I think it was, or whenever. And all of these activist groups... Protests in the World Trade Organization blocked intersections throughout Seattle, and it was, a, it was a crazy clash with police and protesters. Well, now you've got big rigs. What's fascinating is 500 people. That's it. 500 people. If there are only 500 trucks out there, it could be more. Maybe some of these trucks have two people in them. But think about the amount of control exerted by simply having a truck. That's it. You know, these activists on the left, they come out with, you know, 10,000 protesters and they stop, they break, you know, they, they, they shut the city down for a few hours. These truckers have shut it down for weeks now and they're just parking their trucks. And what can they do about it? The city 
can do nothing. Literally nothing. There's no tow trucks that's going to come out and do it. So I tell you this, they've lost. Here's a story from CTV News. Feds ready to act should foul play be detected in trucker convoy. No, it's look at. Oh, I think this is the two trucks we just saw in the overhead view. Look at that. The gray one and the red one. And then you see the gray one and the red one right there at McKenzie Street. That's it. You've been shut down. The truckers have won. Oh, yeah. Look, at there's the cop car and there's the, the, the black truck. That's amazing, man. I, I am. I am truly inspired by this. So we have this tweet from Justin Ling. And uh, he's he, he it very it's, it's so weird to me how they lie about everything. Look what he says. Marazzo, who serves as police liaison, does a pretty good job of dismantling the idea that these organizers are protesting vaccine mandates. He goes in a spiel about freedom that turns into debunked nonsense about vaccine safety. No, the video is literally him saying, give me the information on this so I can make my own decision. He's protesting vaccine mandates, but he's explaining to you why he's upset with the mandates. He's protesting mandates. But these authoritarian fascist types like Justin Lang, overt fascist, is so desperate to smear the working class standing up against authoritarianism that he has to falsely frame it and try and use sophistry to convince you it's about something else. He's literally saying, don't force me to get the vaccine. Here's my issue with it. Okay, he's protesting the vaccine mandate. Oh, boy. Trudeau is slammed for branding the 7,000 strong freedom convoy in Ottawa as a few people shouting and waving swastikas. Oh, Trudeau, you are doomed. Because I'll tell you this. Let's say people hate the truckers. Well, Trudeau was unable to solve the problem and he fled the city, leaving all the people to hold an empty bag. You think they're going to be happy with that guy? This guy who screwed everything up? No. Let's say the people uh, support the truckers. Well, now Justin Trudeau is slamming them and insulting them. And people are going to be like, yo, Trudeau has lost. What a pathetic, pathetic loser. Oh, man. You ever see that video of Trudeau like sitting down at that like it was like a G7 or something. And he like looks to his right and there's, like, no one's paying attention. He looks to his left. and He tries to I think he's trying to shake hands with Bolsonaro. And then he's like Bolsonaro just like turns to his left and just totally snubs Trudeau. I think it's funny that Trudeau is like this weaselly loser guy. And, and this is the best he has to, he has to come up with. He's, he's pouting, these truckers, you, you can't do anything about it, can you? You know what, Trudeau? How about you just comply? Two weeks to slow the mandates. Just comply. Do as you're told. What's the problem? Yeah. That's what all these people wanted to say to us, to the truckers. So I will, I will admit, all right, it's a different country. We know that, and I will, and I will admit, you know, it, it, it's it's a very different situation from what we have here in the U.S. But we have a very similar culture, and it is, it is uh, cathartic to see the truckers win, because truckers aren't politicians, they're not billionaires, they're not elites, they're not TV pundits, they're regular working people who have taken control and said, "Shut your mouth to the political establishment," and all, all, all Trudeau can do is go. Oh, poor baby. You can't do anything about it. Oh, it's so amazing to see. It's so amazing to see these fascist, corrupt politicians get their comeuppance. And it is quite funny to see all of the Antifa types revealing themselves to be pro-fascist. There's this photo of a woman with blue hair, and she's got a picture of someone holding a shopping bag and like standing up to the trucker. I love the photo. It's a play on Tiananmen Square, whereas like, you know, the, the, the guy with the grocery bag was standing up to the tanks. 
This woman holds a photo of a person blocking the truck. The trucks are literally stopped. They're purposefully not moving. You morons standing in front of them with your hand up is exactly what they're trying to do. But these people are so stupid. You know what it is? It's clear that the left, the quote unquote left, these leftists, they're not really leftists. They're not, you know, look, any leftist who goes on YouTube or Twitter and says the truckers are bad. Yo, you're a fascist. You're defending corporations. You're defending government. You're defending rule by decree. Sorry. What are you going to say? But it's an emergency. I don't care. Yeah, authoritarians believe in rule by emergency decree. I don't. I think sometimes I recognize emergencies happen. We take swift action. But it's got to be justified. And this ain't it. So the truckers, you know, in my opinion, they are justified. Here we go. Freedom Convoy truckers say Trudeau and North America's liberal media are falsely demonizing them as ultra right wing crazies. And after spending a week in their midst, the Daily Mail's reporter can only conclude these peaceful, good natured protesters are 100 percent correct about that, if nothing else. Daily Mail going on the ground, talking to truckers, saying regular people. Yeah, but you don't need Daily Mail to tell you that. You can watch Viva Fry. That's Viva F-R-E-I on YouTube. He's got a, he, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a lawyer. He produces legal analysis videos and he's been on the ground live streaming what's been going on. And you know what? Good for him and good for all the people who are down there and we can see the truth. They tried claiming that it's QAnon. Nope. We had Julie Kelly, journalist on Timcast IRL and she says, just wait until they try claiming that the truckers are QAnon. Nope. 500 trucks downtown, huh? 50,000 truckers protesting. And you know, it's, I'll tell you this. This is where it gets really crazy. Um, I support them and will and will to the very end. American trucker joins Freedom Convoy as Ottawa mayor declares state of emergency. The long haul driver drove from Indianapolis to Ottawa. I'm not a big fan of that, to be honest. I'm not Canadian. I'm not going to get involved in, you know, necessarily, um, you know, physically joining a protest in another country. I'm not a big fan of that. It's what we call the tourists back during Occupy. These people at Occupy Wall Street would fly to China and Turkey and engage in protests. And I'm like, what are you protesting? Like, you have nothing to do with what these people are protesting for. You don't even understand it. Now, I can understand with Canada, we have very similar cultures. Okay, that I get. That I get. Okay. I don't know if I agree with Americans going up there, though. Americans want to fund it. Okay, well, I think that's fine. You know, it's one thing if Americans are funding protests in, like, South American countries or whatever. It's like, eh. Canada is our neighbor next door, and we have like identical cultures, except for the fact that Canada is like extremely far left, and even their conservatives are far left. So the whole country is just out of its gourd. But these people are winning. That's it. I mean, this is it. This is it. The truckers cannot be moved. All they can do now is say to the truckers, we will give you whatever you want. Otherwise, your city is shut down. And that's it. Your only option at this point is to comply. Nonviolent civil disobedience is working. But don't be surprised if they go nuts and the military comes in or something crazy happens. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see y'all then.